Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. So encouraging, so encouraging. Um, I just, um, I don't know if it's uh, me or the atmosphere. Sometimes people feel different atmospheres when they come in here, but I just felt just a sense of, there was a lightness on me, there was a hope, and just a sense of joy. And you you may or may not feel that, I don't know. It it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you if you don't. But but there's just, um, I feel light. I feel light today. Maybe that's the best way to say it. and I hope that this gets conveyed uh, during the time today. Before I get going, I just want to let you know that we're doing a baptism this afternoon at 4.30 downtown. It's going to be a powerful time. Um, we had another person decide to do it this morning. So cool. So cool. We've got about seven or eight people right now lined up, set to go. And just so you know, we always throw out that final invite after we're done baptizing people in the water, is there anyone else? So just, if, if you feel nervous and you've never been baptized and you made that decision to follow Christ, uh, you're probably supposed to get baptized today. That's, that's how the Holy Spirit works, yeah. No, I, I'm, you know. He could be prompting you, just be ready. Just be ready, bring some sandals. We'll get a t-shirt for you, it'll be great. 4.30 this afternoon, if you wanna know where it is, there's maps at the info desk. Okay, right downtown. All right, here we go, here we go. Uh, how to deal with fear. How to deal with fear. One of those hot topics. Somebody messaged in on our Instagram. How do I deal with fear? I'm going to take that uh, question. I'm going to put just a tiny angle on it. And I'm going to talk about how do we not lose heart? How do we not lose heart when we're going through things? I do not want to lose heart. Heart is that, is that patch of ground which the enemy contends for in our lives. That our heart is that place that, if lost, has to be retaken. It has to be retaken. It is the place of thoughts and feelings, of suggestions. The first place suggestions land is in our heart, is that place of thinking. It is that intersection between the spirit, which when we have encountered Christ, comes to life, for the first time. And it is that interface between that brought to life spirit and, and the daily living, the, the, the body that, that, that works through this world and experiences everything. And it is the conjunction of those two places and it is always up for battle. Always up for battle. Um, I've, I know, I mean, I, I know I'm a father because I had kids. I, I also know that I'm a father because I love my lawn. I love the grass in front of my house. I don't know where this came from. It's like some in just, it's a DNA thing. It's a thing. And I, I never cared until I had grass. And now I just, so, okay. So for years, I have been overseeding my lawn. Because it's got to be thick. It's got to be green. And, uh, and then there's the weed situation. The weed situation. So I, I overseed my grass. I mow the lawn. I stand back and I look at my lawn with my hands on my hips and I survey all that is mine 
and the smoothness of the grass. And then I wait a few hours for the sun to go a little bit farther and for, you know, for the streetlights to come on. And then I look at it again at night and I'm like, how smooth is that grass? Oh, oh it's just so good. So good. And then there's the weeds. There's the weeds. And I've, um, it was crazy. We actually had a miracle happen last year where um, the green drop truck drove past and uh, Melissa and I were like, wouldn't that be amazing if the green drop, you, you know, if we could get green drop to, you know, come and spray our, spray our yard. And uh, we're like, well, whatever. And uh, I think Melissa actually checked on the price and it's like, you know, we're not going to spend that on, on lawns. And crazy thing is two days later, Callista was at home and she says, uh, there's someone stealing our hose from the backyard. I'm like, what? What? And I run out and there's, there's the green drop truck parked in our front, and he was just finishing up. And uh, I was like, what's up? And he's like, I'm done. I was like, done what? I was like, I sprayed your yard. You sprayed the backyard in the front? Yes, both yards. I was like, I didn't ask for it. He's like, it's on my list. I was like, oh, it's so amazing. And I'm just like, you'll never guess what happened. The green drop guy came by and he sprayed our yard. It was good for a whole season. It was amazing. And it was, I literally, there's something we were wrestling with, and it was just this kind of a sign of something God was saying to us at the time, and I just took it as that. It was, it was good. Legit. Legit miracle. Legit miracle. This year, we didn't get the green job guy coming through, and I had to contend for my lawn. Contend. And so there's a few, they just kept on popping up in random areas of dandelions, and I, I at first you use the um, selective herbicide, which you can spray over grass, and it, it doesn't kill it, it only kills the weeds, and it's like, Getting it. Wait a day. I'm like, it's all going to be, all the Daniels are going to curl up. They're going to be dead. And they didn't. I was like, okay. Did it again. I was like, it didn't work. And I'm like, why? Why is this not working? And I just, after, after a couple of weeks of nothing dying, I just, it was time for a scorched earth policy. And I just like, what's, what's the non-selective stuff that just kills everything? Just... Scorched earth. And I just, I'm going to be super careful. And I'm just like, I was literally going around to everyone. I should have had a paintbrush because I just, I take the spray bottle, straight nozzle, and I would just like, like two inches from every weed on the lawn. And I was meticulous. And, and I was like, it's going to die, it's going to die. And it did. And I've got this speckled lawn. I'm, I'm actually happy with it. I would actually rather have that because I've overseeded for years and it's going to come back just like little gray spots all over my lawn, but I know it's dead. I know it's dead and I'm happy. All the weeds are dead. And this, this is what we contend for in our hearts. This is what we want. We want, we want nothing of the enemy. We want nothing of lies. We want to embrace the truth. Our heart is a battlefield. Love is a battlefield and our heart is a battlefield. It is the ground we can't lose and the ground has to be retaken. It is, if you look in the Old Testament, you see a man, one of God's mighty men, Shama, his name was. Shema, I'll take your word for it, Shema. And he is one of David's top men, military-wise, fighting-wise. He's, he's in a lentil field, a lentil patch. Philistine army, their enemy is, is surging forward, and he just says, this is, my, this is my ground. I stand there, I hold my sword, it actually froze to his hand. 
It stuck to his hand. He couldn't actually let go of it by the time he was done. And, and it was the Philistines breaking on that lentil field, breaking on Shema, uh, like water on, on rocks. And it, he just stood there and stayed there and held it. And he won a great victory by holding ground that day, it says. This is our job, to persistently hold the ground of our heart. The seeds that are planted or that are intended to be planted by the people, they can be thoughts, they can be truths, they can be lies, they can be the imagination that we give to it. But it is our job to garden our heart. And we are responsible for the seeds that are planted. Some would, some would try to impose those on us, and it is our job to manage what other people have tried to plant and to reject the bad and to accept the good. And this is how we do not lose heart. Let's everybody say, I never do this. Let's everybody say, I will not lose heart. Awesome, awesome. Those of you at home, I will not lose heart. The first thing we need to do is we need to receive, receive what God plants. Receive what God plants. This is that overseeding I talked about on my lawn. If you want to leave no room for the enemy by just plant, 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 keep planting. Leave no room for the, for the weeds to even gain a foothold. We receive what God plants. And this is in Luke chapter 8. It is the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. And Jesus says that if you understand the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8, and he mentioned this in Mark 4, where there's a parallel passage. He says, if you, if you understand this, you understand every parable. The parable of the sower is the key to every story, every parable that Jesus taught. Let's just take a quick peek. Now I'm going to start after Jesus has told the parable to everybody and he's with his disciples and he's unpacking it for them. And he says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. He talks about a farmer going out and spreading seed. It lands on different, different um, surfaces, different types of dirt with different things in it. The ones along the path, the seed that lands along the path, the hard-packed earth, is where the devil comes and takes away the word from the heart so that they may not believe and be saved. First of all, God is speaking. Speaking. He is speaking to you as much as he is speaking to me. This is the first maybe step of faith, maybe the first truth we need to hold to, is that God speaks. He speaks. If, if you, even if you don't read your Bible, he speaks through conscience. He can speak through other people. He speaks through his word. Right? He speaks, uh, when we gather here together, there's corporate words that get delivered that we can, we can take in. There's something that gets speaking as an encouragement or a prophetic word to somebody else, and if it resonates in your heart, you go, I take that too. There's something about that that resounds in me. Same when we read our Bible. That resounds in me. I, you know, sometimes it's like nothing speaks. And I gotta like take a moment and go like, but wait a minute, that one little thing, there's a key word there. Something just provokes that in me when I read that one little scripture. I need to take that and ask God, what is that about? Something is speaking to you there. Someone is speaking to you. And the first word, the first word that is always spoken of and that we always point back to is Christ. Christ. Christ, the living word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. 
That's the book of John, chapter 1, right there. He speaks words of healing, and he speaks words of purpose. He speaks words of correction, not for condemnation, but to build us up and restore us. We have to be ready to hear these words. And then you see, the enemy comes and wants to snatch this from us. And this is that perseverance that we hold to. What does the enemy want to take from us? If he can't speak to us, what does he want to take from us? Are we ready to hold on to these words? I just keep on going here. And those that fell among thorns, chapter, or verse 14, Luke 8, it says, And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And we're going to touch on this a little bit later, but this is that competing attention, competing for the resources that we, we treat the words with. There are certain things that, that lies love, that weeds in our heart love. The weeds in our heart, they want time to take root. They want ground to grow in. They're fed with attention with our eyes. They're fed with giving them our belief and our trust. Even if it's to our detriment, even if it's to our ruin, there are certain things that we will believe in that will wreck us if we hold on to them long enough. They love imagination. I was thinking, I'm looking at the crowd, there was a couple of people who went on a camping trip with a few years ago. And we went camping in this place. It was not a, like a regular campsite. It was off in the middle of, uh, it was at Crowfoot Pass. And uh, it wasn't an official campsite, I think. And there was it, was, it was a weird place. There was some weird stuff hanging from the trees and stuff like that. It was, it was shifty. It was shifty. I don't know why we didn't leave, but we didn't. We just stayed. And, uh, and we realized we had to do something with our garbage at night. And it was a new moon, no moon. It was black outside. And um, I remember us hauling garbage from our campsite. I don't know, we walked like maybe five minutes out into the dark, out of the dark, like without stars and moon, and in the middle of nowhere. And uh, there was like about five of us hauling garbage. And all of a sudden, um, there was a, a twig snap. We heard something move. And all of a sudden, imagination, boosh. And <laughs> the, the night, the darkness is filled with animals at that point. And, uh, and us, you know, unarmed. And uh, nothing that we could see to shoot anyway if we did have guns. We were just like, ran. We just ran. We just ran through the darkness. We left the garbage, just ran home, not ran back to our tent the safety of a nylon wall. And, uh, but we were together, and that was what counted. But it was just like seeds and lies. They love imagination. They love the attention. They love the, the attentive imagination that goes with a good lie. What is a good lie in your life that is receiving too much imagination? Right? The what ifs that could happen. Man, what if you got blessed? What if you got freed, though? What if God healed? What if God was with you through what was going on? What if? What if there's some other godly what ifs? What if there's a godly imagination? Right? Redemptive. Redemptive imagination. They prefer isolation. Your lives prefer to be isolating you from other people. This is why we gather together. 
because this is where different atmospheres clash and come together. Uh, we've, we've just come through a wild time uh, of, of, just, of just loving family and being with family as, as, as my father-in-law passed. And it was, it was intense and it was good. And it was, there was some amazing things that happened. And then it, we came back into this environment and it was nothing like what we had just been in. That was actually healthy, what we were just in. It was good. It was a striving to come together and it was, it was healthy. There was reconciliation and blessing that happened. And, and, but then coming to this, it's just a completely different vibe. And it was so good. It was so good to come back into this. And you're tempted to like, man, I don't know if I got it in me. I don't know if I got it in me to be around people right now. But you do it. And then you're thankful for it. You're thankful for it. I know I'm not the only one that feels like that once in a while. It's like, do I got it in me? Do I got it in me to go to church today? I don't know. I challenge you. Like, what is the environment that you will encounter there? And are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Yeah, that's good. Let the word go deep. Let the word go deep. As for the good soil, in verse 14, in 15 it says, as for, the, for that in the good soil, they are those who are hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Bear fruit with patience. It takes, you, you need to have, we, we strive for an honest and good heart. And sometimes the truth will make you miserable, but before it makes you free. But we need to have an honest and good heart that we will receive what is happening and let it speak to us. We will, we will go beyond what we have only known and experienced and allow God to speak of us of things that we have never seen before and understood so that he can help us to grow. It's a big, it's a big, big deal. I still want to encourage people. I try to drop a little tool almost every time I'm here to how we can read our Bible in a, and to raise it one level up. If you've got the Bible app, there's a great little Bible reading plan. It's five days long, and it's called, it's called Lectio Divina. Yeah, Lectio Divina. I'm just going to make sure I spelled it right. L-E-C-T-I-O. D-I-V-I-N-A. It's a great little Bible reading plan on the Bible app. And it just asked like three questions. What is it? Let me just read it out here. I'm just going to pull it up. First one. Read the passage. Awesome. Notice any words or phrases that jump out to you. Number two is the reflection. Read the passage again. What emotions does it stir up? A lot of times when I'm highlighting something, I'm highlighting it because there's an emotion that leaps, leaps out at me. And I want to go beyond, beyond highlighting stuff in my Bible. What emotions does it stir up? Is there anything God is saying to you personally through this passage? Is God saying something? The third step is to respond. Read the passage again. Is there a response or action step God is inviting you to take? What is my response to what I have heard? What will I do with this? And this is the life-changing part of this little meditation. You can do this with whole passages. You can do it with a scripture. What is my response to this? What does this mean to me today? What does this look like today for me when I encounter people? And then the fourth step is rest. Read the passage one last time and allow the divine reading to sink in. And this is very powerful because it doesn't rely on your intellect. 
I find a lot of times, the, the longer I sit on a scripture, either in that time or throughout the day, that more jumps out of it. More things come to the surface. It's not because I sat there all day thinking about it. It's just because I, I put it on the back burner and just, and just let it simmer. It's like a good roast in a slow cooker. Stuff comes out. And this is what we need. These kinds of things. Okay. So we receive what God plants from the parable of the sower. Now I want us to jump back to Nehemiah. We're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 4. And we're going to look at how we reject what the enemy plants in our heart. How do we reject what the enemy plants in our heart? The book of Nehemiah is a book about a man that came around 453 BCE to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. About, I want to say close to 100 years earlier than that, mid-500s, um, Zerubbabel came and rebuilt the temple. It was the second temple rebuilding. They built, that, that was their place of worship. It was their place of sacrifice. And then 10 years before Nehemiah, they were contemporaries of each other, uh, Ezra comes and delivers, he, he is there to, to share the law. He is there to share the word of God, to teach them how to understand what God is saying through his word. And finally, Nehemiah comes 10 years after that and is there because his heart broke for the wall around this place. And he was, he was sitting with the king, or not sitting with the king, he was his job to be a cupbearer for the king and he hears about Jerusalem, has no walls. They're burned with fire. They're destroyed. There's no defenses. And it is on him to rebuild these walls. And that's his heart. That's his cry. And that's what he does. They built them in 52 days. 52 days with opposition surrounding the city. And this, for me, when I read this uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago, it was such a beautiful image to me of the perseverance and, and the being guarded, not in a, not in a cutoff way, but, but always being attentive to our heart and the enemy that wants, wants it, that wants that territory, who is, who is persevering and trying to take it, sow into it, and how we protect ourselves from that. So Nehemiah chapter 4. And here we have just, there's this man, Sam Ballot. a local opposition to the Jewish nation. Now when Sanballat, chapter verse one, heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and many in Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? It's like, I don't think you can say that. There's Sanballat, that's one. Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of these heaps of rubbish? And burned ones at that. And Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and they said, yeah, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, will break down the wall. Hero God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunts on their own head. You hear the discouragement in their voice. You know that when they're saying this, they are not speaking for God. This is completely inconsistent with God's character and his tone. And this is what we need to discern. The voices that get spoken to us, do we know what God's voice sounds like? Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Do we understand the tone that God speaks with? 
And do we know the difference between him and the enemy? Their first response was to take this complaint to God. Take this complaint to God. I'm going to tell my dad what you just said. He's not going to like it. Hear our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunts on their own head. And then you have them plotting, plotting. In verse 8 it says, And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. And this is what really jumped out to me, that this is really a, a, can be seen as an illustration of the heart. We set a guard on our heart and watched after it day and night. We watched after it day and night. Do we, are we aware of the traffic that moves into our heart from other people? It moves into our heart from what we watch and what we perceive from our Instagram feeds. I have to be super careful about this. I have not deleted Instagram because I see it as a way to also communicate. Um, if it wasn't a form of communication, I'm not sure if I would have it on my phone. But what is the traffic? Are we monitoring the traffic moving in and out of our heart? Do we realize that there is traffic moving in and out of our heart that we allow? And will you set a guard on it? So the guard is protection against them day and night. And then farther down in that same passage, it says, at that time the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us 10 times, you must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open spaces, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And this is that sense of, when I see this, I see connect groups. I see families that are tight and healthy, that are, that are bound together and united. I see connect groups that have covered each other. And even, the, even though we're not leading, uh, we have connect groups that we led years ago that we're not, we're not responsible for anymore, but those relationships have stayed. And as they've gone through things, we have those, those, those relationships have snapped back together and we've talked to them and walked through stuff together and, and just wild stuff. And it's nice to know that within this larger body of hundreds of people, there, there are dozens of people that you can connect with that are your personal circle that, that supports you and you support. It, is, it circles within the circles. It is that huge church and small church at the, at the same time. And we want that to happen. And one of my, my jobs here, my, my, my callings here, is, is as pastoral care. My first question will be, when you're going through something, are you in a connect group? Are you in a connect group? Have that ready. And, and be prepared now before the wheels fall off. If they do, have this thing in your life. Okay. And I stationed people by their clans with swords and their spears and their bows. And it says in verse 14, it says, And do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And this is the why of what we fight. Why do we keep guarding our heart? It is for our own peace and benefit, but also for the people around us that rely on us. It is for the people that have been given to us as responsibility. I guard myself so that I have the, that guard your heart for the issues of life that come out of it. So we have something to give. All right. I'm going to start winding up here pretty quick. I went way longer than I expected. I am so sorry. Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Okay, we're just going to move along here. They said, 
in verse 20, and when they were preparing to be attacked, there were threats of armies coming against them. They said, in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, because they're all working all around the city all at the same time, the wall is growing at the same pace in every area all at once as, as clans and families work together side by side, literally around the city. And they couldn't be everywhere at once. And they said, in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, and God will fight for us. So when the, when the enemy rises up over here, sound is blown, and we, we drop what we're doing here, we go there, and we fight together. And this is that gathering of Sunday morning, this, this church, the larger commun- like congregational community that we're a part of, the things that we can experience here as one person. We hear the same word. These can spark conversations in the connect groups. They, there's, that, there's that congregational blessing that can happen in these kinds of areas. This is a really big deal. And we fight for each other here. There's not a place I have a lot of pastoral conversations, but this is a place where we can pray together. And we can meet during the week if things are struggling. And not just me, but many people here. Like This is a place to find that coffee date for the next week. We rally together. Okay. Closing. I'm going to skip a few things here. But this is how we keep heart. This is how we stop from losing heart. We are attentive to it. If we, are, if we have not lost our heart, we do not have to live in fear. Final story. My family loves climbing six glaciers. It's, uh, it's about a, I wanna say it's about an eight kilometer trail um, around Lake Louise and going past Lake Louise up into the mountains. And as you're hiking it, you hear thunder in the valley, and that's just the, the cracking of glaciers through the summer. There's, it sounds like thunder. And you see people walking this trail, and some are dressed like Navy SEALs, and they, get, they literally got a knife strapped to them, they got sunglasses on, shaved head, and they're, they're serious. I'm like, I can't afford half the gear that you're carrying right now. And right next to them, you'll see six-year-old girls swinging a Barbie in flip-flops, walking up the same trail. And it's just the best. I'm just like, like, you go, you go. And uh, everybody makes it. Everybody makes it to the top. And um, the first time we ever did it as a family, one of our our kids, and this was years and years ago, again, I think about five or six years old, and um, we we didn't even make it around the lake at the bottom before we got up. And, um, And, you know, they laid down on the ground, and people were like stepping, stepping over them and, and just keeping on going. And I was like, we didn't even, you know, when you're, when you're a parent walking kids, you know, you, you always know you got the halfway point because they've stopped and you're going to have to carry them back. We didn't even get that far. And, and they were just like, no, no. And I, all I could say was, is there is, uh, there's a tea house at the top and there's nachos and lemonade. And they're like, is there? Like, they stop crying. Is there? And I said, there is. I promise you, I will get you some. And they're like, okay. And gets up and trucks, trucks. It's like they were going to die. And then they were just going to carry the whole family up there to get the nachos and the lemonade. Strength entered her bones and life entered her eyes. And she lit up and, and we went. And now that is our family hike. We, that's a hike we do as a family. We still need to go this year. And this is what does it. This is not losing heart. It is a purpose. And yeah, we have thank you for the band coming back up. People. Please come on. 
purpose. Replace fear with purpose. Replace fear with purpose. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, my boast, my reward. What is our reward? He preaches the gospel for free and he wins people to Christ. What are the rewards I look for? I look for an easy day, Netflix. Right. Is it? It's not so much a reward. It's more of a running away. And, and I need to keep my eyes on the rewards. That costing something is powerful sometimes when you keep your eye on the reward. We ask this question when we're going through these last couple of weeks that was supposed to be a vacation. Thank God we took the vacation when we did to spend time with the family. And at one point, we were a little bit discouraged. And we asked each other, like, what? This is kind of unfair. And we just acknowledged to each other, what is our purpose right now? Our purpose is to love our family. Our purpose is to love family. Are we doing that? Yes. Yes. We've seen so many rewards for that. Did I get my time off? No. No, I got a little bit. I got a little bit. But we achieve the purposes of God in our lives. And what is that for you? What is that for you? What are your purposes of God and for your life right now? Do you know what they are? Do you want to know what they are? If you can't see 10 years down the road, what is the purpose of God for your life today? Let's just stand up for one second as we close. I've had two questions that have removed, um, have dealt with a lot of anxiety in my life and helped me to sleep better at night. One is asking myself in the morning, who will I love today? Who will I love today? And whose life will I elevate today? And then at the end of the day, I ask the question, did I love somebody today? And it silences a lot of anxiety for me when I know that I'm doing the purposes of God for my life. I wanna pray for people for purpose and to deal with anxiety right now. So if you are dealing with anxiety, you feel like you've lost the battle for your heart, just put out your hands right now. Or if you're struggling for purpose, you wanna know, God, what is your purpose for me today? Well, let's just start with the basics. There's something about our purpose as people. And what does that look like when God loves through you and impacts people's lives? So Father God, Lord, we trust you today. Lord God, for those of us that have wrestled with anxiety, that feel like we are losing the battle for our heart, Lord God, we thank you that you speak. We thank you that you are near. Father God, we thank you that you have called us to your side as your child and that you've given us purpose today. We thank you that you are speaking through us from our heart and that life will flow from our hearts as you speak to us as we cherish your words. So Holy Spirit, guide us and direct us today in the name of Jesus to receive your word with joy, to be on the defense against the words of the enemy, to uproot them and replace them with your truth, and to receive your purposes for our life today. Whatever in humble and, and, and way that they would take, we take them and we run with them in the name of Jesus. And we love you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Stephen. So good. Thank you, Pastor Tim, for our hot topic there, how to deal with fear. It's such a great word. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.